for this verse, and we move on to a new verse. Oh, there we go. We have sound. Everybody can hear, and probably all those on live stream are now going, aha, it works. So now you can hear me. And you didn't even get to hear my cool joke about the debates. Oh, well. Uh, guess you had to be there. All right, Psalm 119, verse 2. Does anybody have it memorized? Would like to quote it? Haven't had a chance to do that yet, and uh, would like to do that tonight. Going once, going twice. No sales. Oh, well, was that a raising of the hands or itching of the nose? It was an itching of the nose. Okay. Uh, Psalm 119. And, oh, hey, we have one over here. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Even though it was on the screen, that's okay. <laughs> but I could tell that you weren't looking at the screen, and so I will give you total credit for that. Good work. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's go ahead and say it one more, one last time for the month. Uh, ready, begin. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119.2. And I hope that you will keep his testimonies and that you will seek him with your whole entire heart. And uh, that's what he desires. All right, a couple quick announcements. Uh, October 4th, which is this coming Sunday, we will be having a special music uh, meeting. So for those involved in special music... Um, are going to need to meet after the morning service uh, with Brother Blake. He's just going to have a very brief time. He knows that restaurants are calling, so he's going to keep it really brief. Uh, but uh, that'll be an important meeting just to kind of make sure everybody's on the same page as we begin uh, really to start implementing uh, special music on a, on a more regular basis. And uh, also on Sunday, not on the uh, bulletin tonight, this was this is a late-breaking uh, news report on uh, what we're doing Sunday night, uh, this just into the newsroom type situation, okay? Um, after printing this, uh, I heard from one of our other missionaries that we're supporting, another missionary to Germany, uh, Brother Shipman, uh, Jacob Shipman, is going to be in the area. And uh, he and I had talked yesterday, and he said, hey, I know we've been trying to get out there one more time before we head over to... Uh, Germany, we're almost done with our deputation, and uh, we have uh, Sunday night available, I think. And I said, well, let me know for sure, and he finally let me know for sure this afternoon, and uh, it's a go. So he's going to, he and his wife will be with us on Sunday night, and uh, he'll be preaching for us, and uh, they're going to do some special music uh, for us as well in the evening service. And then um, afterwards, if uh, you are interested, we're gonna. They're, they're, he's gonna bring his basketball clothes uh, and change into them after church on Sunday night and uh, play a little hoops. Um, and so, if you want to hoop it up with him, uh, then uh, go ahead and uh, come on out and, and plan for that. That'll be a lot of fun on uh, this Sunday night. So um, that's kind of the schedule for this Sunday, and then. Uh, a week from tonight, Men and Ladies Bible Studies, um, we do those the first Wednesday night of every month, and uh, we're almost there again, and so uh, I think the, in, the, in the bulletin, there's what we're supposed to be reading for that, and uh, the men will meet in here, the ladies will meet in the uh, fellowship hall, in the junior church room, and uh, that'll be all set up for you all over there, and then our missions committee meeting is on October 8th, that's a week from tomorrow night. 
on Thursday night. And then October 10th, there's a teen activity. They're going to do the corn maze up by Edmond area. Yes. Okay. I got a confirmation from the real boss over here. So um, anyway, so they'll be uh, heading up there and uh, a little more details will be kind of ironed out by Sunday. And uh, we'll let you know a little more about that. And then the ladies brunch, the changing seasons is the theme on October 17th. It's a Saturday uh, from 1030 to about 1230. Um, And uh, that'll be a great time of enjoying some fellowship together. First ladies activity of the year, I think, probably. I mean, we've had the ladies' Bible studies, but I mean, first activity that we've had, we've tried to do several. Uh, they just haven't worked out due to COVID, but uh, so this one is on the calendar and we're going to do it, Lord willing. Old Fashioned Sunday, um, we are very excited about doing that. You're, you may not be because you don't know all the details about it. Come Sunday, you'll have an insert in the bulletin that'll cover a lot of the details on a lot of the things we're going to be doing, the schedule and all of that. It's going to be a wonderful day together in the house of the Lord, and I'm very much excited about that. And so we also have another uh, missionary scheduled to be with us, missionary to Serbia, Matt Miller. We do not currently support him. I believe he's on uh, deputation, and uh, it'll be good to kind of meet him and hear about his ministry and what the Lord's called them to do. Um, his wife, just like Brother Caleb, uh, Brother Caleb's wife's not with him. He, she's in uh, Lancaster, so uh, two time zones away from us uh, because she's re- about ready to give birth in a week-ish. Um, and then Brother Miller, his wife, same scenario, uh, she can't be traveling with him during that time because she's going to be, uh, as the Bible says, great with child. And so... Anyway, um, but it'll be good to get to meet him and, and learn a little bit about his ministry as well. And then you can see some other things that are happening as well. Uh, but I just wanted to give you some uh, heads up on that. Okay, let's take a quick moment and uh, cover some prayer requests here. And so if you want to open your uh, prayer bulletin up to the prayer request section. And uh, I wanted to kind of highlight a couple that are not, um, well, I just wanted to highlight a couple that are actually on here. The first one on health needs on the right-hand side um, is Dave Voss. Uh, He has Alzheimer's and family. Um, Some other more urgent prayer requests came in regarding uh, David, and I wanted to share them with you. And I want to make sure that I cover them all. Um, Let's see. He fell the other day and hit his head and has a very large knot on his head. During that fall, he also broke his hip. And he's going to surgery for his hip, but he also has COVID and is not doing well with that. And so we want to pray for uh, Dave Voss here and uh, pray for the situation that he's going through. So he has uh, a need for uh, hip surgery and then dealing with um, some COVID complications. And then the other prayer request I want to mention is uh, most of the way down on health needs on the right-hand side where it says James Crawford hospitalized. Um, James ended up needing his uh, gallbladder removed and had that happen today, and uh, it all went very smoothly, and uh, looks like he was going to be able to go home, and uh, so wanted to just kind of update you on that, and um, and that's why they're, they're not here tonight, trying to get him home and get him settled and recovering and all of that, so 
Uh, pray for uh, James, if you would, and for the family, Tammy and the kids, as they minister to their husband or to their husband slash dad. Okay, there we go. That's a little more accurate. Okay, um, that's all the announce or that's all the prayer requests I have on here that I wanted to mention and kind of highlight with for you. Are there any uh, prayer requests that you all have that we want to make sure we mention tonight in prayer? Uh, yes, sir, Brother Bryce. Yeah. So uh, I kind of missed the first part. I apologize. So Rosanna's aunt, Rosa. Jennifer. Okay. Thank you. And Jennifer is her daughter. Okay. So this would be Rosanna's cousin. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. Brother Scott. Right. Oh, amen. Amen. That's a blessing. So we'll go ahead and uh, take him off the list, but uh, praise the Lord for that. That was kind of a scary scenario for a little bit there. Very good. Yes, ma'am. Miss Vicki. I'm sorry, one more time. A couple new unspokens for the Barant family, okay? Okay. Good. Brother Chuck. Tim. Okay. 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 So still pray for that clarification and answers on that. Okay. Good. Any others tonight? All right. Well, let's uh, take a moment and uh, pray for these requests and kind of uh, highlight these new ones. Um. And uh, I also, I'm also going to pray for our country, especially as we get, kind of get down into the uh, nitty-gritty of campaigning and election season. It's, uh, it's going to get uh, interesting. And so we want to make sure that the Lord's will is, is done in this situation. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just come to you tonight. We thank you for being the great God who has the power to uh, hear our prayers and then to answer them according to what is best in your eyes, and, and Lord, we're grateful for that truth, and um, Lord, we don't always understand why you answer the way you do, but, but we know it works out for, the, for good, and we're, we're thankful for that promise and that truth, and, and so Lord, we do want to come to you tonight on behalf of some of these requests that have been uh, mentioned tonight. Lord, we do think of Dave, who uh, fell earlier this week and, and has some serious injuries because of that. Uh, Lord, we pray that he would be able to get in to uh, get surgery on his hip, and that that might uh, be resolved, and, and that you'd help him to recover very quickly from uh, COVID, and that it may not affect him in a negative way, Lord. And and uh, I just pray that you would heal him and remove that from from him. And then I pray for uh, Rosanna's aunt Rosa as she deals with the the struggles of cancer, and and then also her daughter Jennifer, Lord, as they go through this time together. Um, it's a stressful time. It's a scary time. 
But I pray, Lord, that you would help them to trust you uh, during this, uh, this season. Uh, Lord, we do think of our sister Connie, too, as she continues her treatments uh, coming up next week. She goes in for her next treatment. And we just pray, Lord, that you would use those treatments, Lord, to really uh, remove this cancer that was in her body. And, and uh, I pray that her body would not uh, react negatively to the treatments, uh, but that uh, it, would, it would do what it's supposed to and, and uh, that you would give her strength through it all. And for Connie and Doyle, that uh, you give them peace during this time. Lord, I do pray for James as he recovers now from his uh, gallbladder surgery. Lord, thank you that it went well today. And uh, I just ask that uh, you'd be with the family as they go through this time of kind of helping them out and, and ministering to them in that way. And I just pray, Lord, it would be a smooth and quick recovery and uh, that he'd be back up on his feet doing what he is used to doing. And uh, I just pray, Lord, for, for him. And then, Lord, we think of uh, the Barant family, Lord, with their unspoken requests. Um, Lord, I just pray that you'd be with each of them and intervene as only you can in, in the situations that they're thinking about tonight. Um, I just pray, Lord, you'd uh, work in their lives and, and work in those situations. And uh, we sure love you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us and thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Uh, thank you for our country. Um, we do pray for the future of our country and that you would help us to, as a nation, make the right choice uh, coming up here in November. Um, I do pray, Lord, for our president and uh, our vice president and those who advise them, that uh, you would grant them wisdom during this season. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that uh, your people would be faithful to vote for righteousness' sake and uh, according to biblical principles. And uh, Lord, we love you, and again, we pray that you would bless the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes, sir. Okay. Amen. Okay, good. Amen. Well, that's always a good thing when you get a negative COVID test. That's not a negative thing. That's positive. <laughs> that always kind of made me, the, the whole negative positive thing kind of hurt my brain for a while, but I get it now. All right, we're going to learn a brand new, well, a new song to me, and maybe a, perhaps a new song to our church, Give Out the Good News. It's uh, page 881 in your hymnal, and the words will be on the screen, and uh, we're going to learn this song together tonight. Brother Blake's going to teach it to us, and uh, I'm looking forward to learning it together. Okay. Yes. Probably all should stand up. Let's all stand up. Sorry, that was my fault. You're good, you're good. God has told us in His Word. Of Jesus' power to save from sin, we must tell this news to all, every precious soul to win. Give out the good news to someone today, tell them of Jesus, the truth and the way. He conquered the grave that all could be saved. So give out the good news today. How many have never heard that song? Well, I just sang it for you, so I don't know why you weren't listening. I was just kidding. Let's do the first verse again. Can we do that, Luke? Let's go back to the first verse. We'll sing the first verse, and we'll sing the second verse, and then we'll call it good. So, God has told us in his word 
of Jesus' power to save from sin. We must tell this news to all, precious, precious soul to win. Give out the good news to someone today. Tell them of Jesus, the truth and the way. He conquered the grave that all could be saved. So give out the good news today. I'm going to try the second verse. Take the news to every land for every person must be told never stopping pressing on till they're safe within the fold give out the good news to someone today tell them of jesus the truth and the way he conquered the grave that all could be saved so give out the good news today amen you may be seated how many of you that was i mean before today you've never heard that song before all right so i figured it was a new song so thanks for teaching it that that to us and uh we'll we'll learn that again some other time but uh have you heard that song brother caleb that was the first time so yeah, you're the only ones in the house that uh, there was. There's been a, there was a couple people that knew knew that song, but uh, now we all know it, right? So, well, know it better than we did before. All right, brother Caleb, go ahead and come on come on up here, and um, I appreciate this, brother. We actually go way back uh, to when I was in college. Uh, his family was there uh, in the church um, before really the college ever even started, and I kind of knew the family through that. And uh, he was, uh, he's, uh, you said you're 37? 37. 37. So he's seven years younger than me. And uh, so as I was kind of making my way through uh, college years, uh, he was in the youth group, I guess, at that point, and uh, did teen soul winning and stuff like that uh, when he was in there. And so, and then I graduated and moved on, and we kind of, lost track of kind of where each other were, but uh, the Lord brought us back together uh, through this, and uh, it's been neat to catch up. He and I had a great time yesterday fellowshipping over some good, yummy dinner, and uh, it was just a blessing to get to know him again, and uh, now that the Lord has uh, grown him up and uh, doing just a great work there in Germany, and I've enjoyed hearing in our missions committee how the Lord is working through their family in Germany. And uh, I saw on Facebook um, some months ago during the beginning of COVID, he said, I'm going to be in the Oklahoma, Texas area end of September. Any churches interested? And I was like, me, me, pick me. And so uh, it worked out for us to connect, and I'm so thankful for that. But um, I'll let you keep talking. And uh, got a video to show, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to the message as well. So, Caleb. You're among friends, my friend. All right.
be uh, back here actually at Cornerstone Baptist Church. We did stop through on our deputation. Well, that's probably way back. I don't know if it was 2014 or 2015 that we came by here. We started sending our prayer letters in, and uh, they've been coming in, I guess, ever since. Um, so it's been good to uh, have people praying for us here in Moore, Oklahoma, for the last five to six years. And we really appreciate the prayer support uh, that uh, you all have been involved in. And to us as missionaries, that means more than any other thing that we have going on is the prayer support of God's people. Um, when I was growing up there in Lancaster, California, our pastor, Pastor Paul Chapel, often said that only God moves mountain and only prayer moves God. And so the prayers of God's people really do mean a lot to us as we travel down the road, both on our furlough and also as we are doing the work on the field. Of course, uh, my family's not here. As he had said before, we are about a week away from having baby number four. Uh, yeah, three girls and now a boy, finally. <laughs> So I'm really tired of seeing all the pink in the house, and we're going to balance that back out a little bit. And uh, so Alicia's out there with my parents there in Lancaster, and we got her set up with, uh, you know, the doctor out there to do all the checkups and stuff leading up to the big day there. Uh, so if you would be just praying for her that things in this last week or so go well for her and that there will be a sa uh, safe and healthy delivery for both mom and baby and uh, that things will work out there as well. And then our three girls are there as well with my, with my parents also. Um, just uh, being there with grandma and grandpa and getting spoiled to death, probably. Uh, we'll have to see how that's going when I get back. Get back. So, I'm, you know, there might have to be some balancing back that way again. No, but they're really, really enjoying time with Oma and Opa, as we say in German. And, um, and uh, so uh, they're just having a great time, and it's good uh, for them to be there and good for me to be here tonight with you all. Um, we've been in Germany for a total of four years as of right now. Uh, we went initially in February of 2016 and began just getting into language school. Initially, we were working with missionaries that were um, that had, they had an English-speaking international type church. It had used to be a U.S. military church there in Germany, but the base there in Mannheim had closed down, and um, we began working with them in 2016 as a way to get to the country and also to uh, be able to do some ministry while we were doing language school as well. So it was kind of a good foot in the door as far as getting into the country as of itself. Um, that family was the Walter Clark family. You all support them here. Um, and uh, we're, we're still, you know, connected with them and communicate with them once in a while. And uh, good to see some of their kids going up to Heartland and everything and following the Lord's will for their lives as well. Um, so we began doing language school for those first two years, helping the Clarks out. Uh, for, for a while, we were uh, living a little bit further away from Mannheim. Um, Due to, we had some visa issues in the state where Mannheim is, so we had to move to another state and get our files transferred in order to get our visas processed quickly because we were in danger of being told to leave the country because of, at the time, there was a lot of um, migration from the Middle East, so you had a lot of uh, backlog in the government situation there, and uh, so we were told that if we moved states that we could possibly have an easier time and be able to stay in the country, so we did that and got our visas processed probably within three or four weeks of after we first visited the new visa office in the new state. So a little bit further away from Mannheim and in language school so that uh, it wasn't quite, um, it wasn't quite um, uh, available for us to be able to always make Wednesday night services because of language school situation. So we started a Bible study in our home, had both uh, German and English speaking people uh, in that and we taught in both languages there for a while 
uh, the Lord has since taken that group and uh, formed a military outreach church with that. It's being led by another missionary right now. And we thank the Lord for the work that's going on down there in that Kaiserslautern Simbach area with that particular church as well. In 2018, uh, this is all in the video too, so it's going to be kind of repeat, but it's kind of uh, what I do uh, as far as that goes. But uh, uh, in 2018, the Lord really opened the door for us to be able to start ministering to the Germans by moving to the Koblenz area. We're working with a couple families there, and the Lord has really blessed over the past two years. We've uh, seen uh, seven souls saved in the past two years there in Germany, and uh, I know that's single-digit numbers, but as far as... Uh, when we first got to Germany, we met a lot of missionaries that told us Germany is hard ground for the gospel. The people have been hardened here by cultural aspects and things like that. There's just a lot of hurdles for them to get over to be able to accept Christ as Savior, both culturally, familially, traditionally, and also educationally as well. Um, and uh, so to be able to see seven saved in the past two years is quite a miracle. And um, early on, you know, when we weren't seeing a lot of people saved at first, we were getting really discouraged. And the Lord led me to a verse in Jeremiah 23, 29 that tells us that the word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. And so uh, that encouraged us because the Lord can take situation no matter how hard it is and the gospel can overcome that situation whether it's a hard heart in germany whether it's a coronavirus whether it's uh you know uh, government hostility towards whatever and whatever nation around the world god and the gospel have the power to break through that and we definitely have seen that happen now on seven occasions in the last two years and we're looking forward uh, to what god is going to do when we go back um our focus in the next term is to begin laying the groundwork to train some German nationals for the ministry. We believe that God has always wanted us to be involved in church planting. Um, we didn't know what that was going to look like, whether it was going to be us going out and planting a church or us maybe training some people. We kind of always had in the back of our minds that the Lord allowed both Alicia and I to get Christian education degrees in college. And we didn't know exactly how that would you know, fall into place on the mission field. But the Lord has really led us. Uh, now that we're working with a couple families to be able to uh, have a situation where we have some families that are and people that we believe are ready to be trained for ministry. And we believe that God's going to use that to see churches planted throughout Germany. And I think that really is the way to go as far as the Lord's leading on that, as far as the um, continuation and the longevity of the cause of the gospel of Christ in Germany. So we're going to go ahead and show the video um, and then maybe just a couple minutes after the video, we're going to maybe take a few questions. So be thinking if you have any questions about Germany, about the language, how to say something in German, whatever you would like to ask. Uh, we'll take a few minutes for questions and then we'll get into our message tonight. Let's go ahead and play the video. If I were standing on a mountaintop and could see everything in Germany, I would see a land with a tumultuous but rich history. I would see a land of national pride and loyalty displayed in its culture, customs, and its traditions. I would see a land of great beauty in its forests, mountains, rivers, fields, monuments, castles, and buildings. One of the most beautiful countries on earth. I would see a land of religion with many glorious church buildings, cathedrals, and man-made traditions. I would see a country that is the leading industrial and economical power in the entire European Union. Then I would look on the multitudes. 83 million people, some who have lived here all their lives, some who have recently fled from the grasp of persecution and certain death. 
I would see them walking about day by day in the path that seems right to them. I would see great crowds gathered together in soccer stadiums to cheer on their favorite team. I would see great crowds gathered in the Christmas markets to enjoy the camaraderie of their fellow countrymen. I would see them living with first world comforts, first world education, and very few material needs. Then, I would look at their souls, empty, searching, and waiting for the truth. Souls whose minds and hearts have been made hard by a godless societal paradigm. But know that there must be something more. I would see a great field with the potential of being a great harvest of souls, yet many laborers are turned away because the ground is hard and the labor just may take too much time. Where are the men, the families, who will, with the compassion of Christ, say, the ground may be hard, but my God is a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. It may take a lifetime, but by His grace, I'll put my hand to the plow. I'll put my hand in the seed bag and scatter the gospel. I'll gather the water of the word and pour it on and trust God to do what others say is impossible. By God's grace, I will be that man and we will be that family. My need is not money. My need is not comfort. My need is not numbers. My need is not fame. My need is simply to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Doing his will and finishing his work has been our pursuit in Germany and will continue to be our guide as we look to the future. Hello, it's your mama. Hi, I'm Ada. I'm me. <laughs> Hello, I'm Caleb, and this is my wife, Alicia, and we're sent out of Faith Baptist Church in Wesley Chapel, Florida, under the direction of Pastor Adam Wilder. Since we first landed in Germany in 2016, the Lord has allowed us to see Him work in our midst. In our first two years, we helped and supported English-speaking ministries while we completed language studies. In 2018, the Lord opened the door for us to move to Koblenz and to begin working with the Taylor and Hastings families to reach this area of Germany with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greater Koblenz area is a traveler's dream. The city of Koblenz itself lies at the convergence of the Mosul and Rhine rivers and offers visitors some of the most unique experiences in the entire country. Whether you pay a visit to Kaiser Wilhelm at the German corner, visit the formidable Ehrenbreitstein fortress via Seilbahn, or venture to one of the more than 40 castles in the immediate area, you'll be sure to marvel at the unparalleled beauty the region has to offer. This area is also home to some very unique cultural experiences. On the second Saturday in August, the night sky lights up in a gorgeous display known as the Rhein in Flammen. And of course, October is the month Germans celebrate the reunification of the country with many festivals. One of our favorite is the family-friendly Lukasmarkt, held the second week of October in Mayen. Visitors there can enjoy freshly cooked and baked delicacies while young and old alike try out the various rides and attractions. However, there is nothing quite like a German Weihnachtsmarkt. With its live music, tasty treats, and booths with one-of-a-kind handmade goods, the Germans sure know how to make Christmas special. No matter what time you visit, there is always something to enjoy even if it's just 
having a schnitzel while overlooking the Rhine. The people of Germany have history. They have beauty, culture, and even religion. But what they really need is Jesus Christ. When God looks at the Koblenz region, he sees almost half a million souls that reside within a 30-mile radius. These are souls that will spend an eternity somewhere. Without the presence of the gospel, their destiny is certain. With the gospel, there's hope to change that destiny. And that's why we're here. The darkness of state-sponsored false religion and German higher criticism has definitely made the ground hard. Make no mistake, the harvest may not come easy, but as long as there are laborers who will commit to planting and watering, God will give an increase. Over our first four years, the Lord has allowed us to see people saved, baptized, added to His church, and discipled. Upon our return to Koblenz, we look forward to continuing in the work God has called us to do. One of our long-term goals is to see churches planted in Germany. We believe that training the nationals in this venture will ensure longevity for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, it is our desire in the next term to begin laying the groundwork for training ministry leaders in addition to the church ministry we are already involved in. Please pray with us that the Lord would open doors for these endeavors. And pray that the Lord would work in the hearts of both old and young Christians in Germany to consider a life in service to Him full time. And one more thing, consider that the Lord may be calling you to help the cause of Christ in Germany. God has, in the last four years, knitted our hearts with the people of this nation. We desire to see the Great Commission accomplished both in the short and long term to ensure that these precious souls and their families have the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel for generations to come. All right. So that's just a little snippet of, get a little bit of flavor of what the country is like. Uh, maybe some of the things you might see if you were to come over and visit us. I will say we do have an open door policy there. We have three, three of us missionary families working together in the same area. So we do have uh, quite a little bit of space that we can uh, house people if they come over to visit. So I'd encourage you if you ever get a chance or if you would like to save up the money for a plane ticket, we'll provide the lodging. We can even provide most of the food, amen. Uh, some good German food. Um, and uh, we'd love to have you over to see the ministry and kind of see what's going on there with us. Um, so as far as that goes, let's go ahead and open the floor just a little bit for any questions that you might have out there. And then we'll get into our message tonight. I promise I won't be long with the message, but it's always dangerous territory for a Baptist preacher to say that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what goes on. Yes, sir. Uh, we're in a predominantly Catholic area where we're at. Um, the demographics of the country actually do kind of pretty closely mirror our area. Um, we're about 33% Catholic and 33% Lutheran. Those are the both uh, state-sponsored religions there, which means basically those two churches get a, get a chunk of the tax money that people pay in the country off the income tax. Uh, so what you end up having there, even with those two religions, is a lot of really great-looking buildings and tourist attraction sites. But unfortunately, when you go in these buildings, a lot of times you don't really see anybody practicing any religion there. Um, a lot of what you get in Germany is that Catholic and Lutheran is what the family has been 
throughout the history of the family. And so traditionally, uh, the moniker has been handed down that we are Catholic or we are Lutheran, but not a whole lot of people practicing the religion in and of itself there. Um, also, you, because of that situation, you actually do have a generation of people now where we have about 20% of the country who claim to be atheists right now. Um, and then, of course, with the influx in the Middle East in the mid-2010s, um, we now have, uh, when we first went on our survey trip in 2013, is like 3.5% Muslim. And as of right now, it's about 10% Muslim. And then the other 3%, um, the other 3% uh, is uh, everything else, basically. And we're a very, very small fraction of that. Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely changing Europe as a whole and changing uh, Germany as well. Um, like I said, we went from about 3.5% to 10% um, Muslim in, in Germany. Um, there were millions that came up. Initially, it was pretty open borders, especially during the time when ISIS was pretty rampant in the Middle East. A lot of people were fleeing that. We I've met um, refugees from all over the Middle East in Germany, um, Syria, Iraq, Iran. We've I've met some Iranians that had uh, come over and that had, that had, uh, uh, that's a unique story. I will I'll, let me go ahead and tell this story. Um, we, I, uh, early on in 2016, when we were there, I filled in for a missionary in Nuremberg, and uh, his church was in a was in a larger building that was full of a lot of different apartments. And what they had done was taken a few of the apartments and renovated them to more fit a church space. Uh, but when the migration happened, uh, the uh, some of the refugees from Iran got put into their building uh, in the housing part that was still there as uh, refugee camps. They were kind of put in there and then basically were given three years, three year visas. And during the three years, they had to learn German, the language. They had to uh, also pass a what they call an integrations course, which means uh, integrating into the society. So they had to, you know, know all the states of Germany and know you know, all the facts and everything like that so that they could integrate into the culture. And if they passed the test on that, then they could continue getting their visas renewed. If not, they, they had to leave. Um, so there, um, you know, that those rules kind of happened shortly after we got there because um, our first visa there was actually a three-year visa. They were just lumping everybody from every foreign country together. Uh, so uh, we, we went through language school, went through all that, got our certificates for that as well. Uh, but as far as the dynamic of the country, yeah, it has changed it quite a bit. I, when I sat in language school, it was like 22 of us, and, and uh, I was the only American, and probably 16 of them were from Syria. So it was really, really interesting dynamic there. Yeah. Yes, Pastor. Yes. Yeah, um, we have a th thing that we say over in Germany that nothing is free, even though, it, even if it feels like it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, you, you don't really know what that means until you go over and experience life over there for a little while. But um, the German income tax, um, it, depending, uh, depending on what bracket you're in, is anywhere between 35 to 55 percent of your income. Um, so yeah, so it's, uh, yes, so, I mean, it's high, but I mean, they have great roads, they have great public transit, they have, uh, you know, uh, medical costs are pretty low. I had some pretty extensive surgery last year there. We were self-pay, 
It was uh, a throat surgery and then complications and a re-throat surgery, a second throat surgery and about two weeks in the hospital. And that self-pay was about $5,000. You know, here in the States, you're looking at probably hundreds of thousands for that. Um, so um, that was an interesting situation there, but this the way the taxes are set up there, to, they cover a lot of different things like that. Um, so I guess you could say socialized medicine is kind of where they're at. They kind of try to cover everybody. And uh, that the unfortunate thing about that is what you mainly hear about socialized medicine is that uh, when somebody is up in years and they have a con condition that uh, they don't feel like they can, they, they can only delay and not you know, completely reverse, then they just go ahead and, and let the person go. Um, and so we've we've seen older missionaries. Um, there was a there was a missionary down in Munich who was having some health problems, and he had to come. He had to fly to the states as a German man, fly to the states and get care here because they wouldn't give it to him over there. So there's other there's the other side of that, so to speak, as well the good and the bad side. So uh, there's also taxes uh, there. There's 19 percent sales tax on everything you buy on top of everything else. Uh, they put it though, it's already in the sticker price, so you don't feel it as much, so to speak, but it's there. You just have to read your receipt and then you're reminded, oh man, that's a lot. But um, everything is taxed over there. If you own a pet, you have to pay a tax for that. Uh, we owned a pet for a while, had to pay some taxes for that. Found a good family to, that wanted him, so we were able to give him away there and give the taxes away for that. Um, you have to pay a TV, internet, and radio tax, no matter if you have a TV, radio, or internet in your house. Everybody just pays it. Again, that's the whole socialism thought of that. Uh, everybody pitches in equally, and everybody benefits equally, and things like that, so to speak. So, um, which I guess would work if everybody works, so, um, in some aspects, anyway. So, um, that's kind of how the taxes go there, and uh, that, of course, you know, affects life. Now, the salaries are a bit higher, and so they're able to live off what they get. And then because of the taxes, there's a lot of um, incentives, like they have kindergarten. It's money that they give you every month for each kid that you have in your house and for, like, clothing and school supply expenses and things like that, uh, totally government-funded. So, yeah, interesting, huh? <laughs> I knew that was going to come up because I said it earlier. Okay, German language, a lot of easy words, like coffee is coffee, you know, water is Wasser, things like that. There's words that make sense, even though they don't sound the same, like dog is Hund, like hound, so that makes sense. But then there's really long words in Germany, like the word speed limit is Geschwindigkeitsbegrenzung, which is really weird. Um, science is Naturwissenschaften. And my daughter's favorite is squirrel, which is Eichhörnchen. Um, yeah, try getting that out really smooth. It just won't ever happen. Uh, but the longest word in the German language, actually the meaning of it is the law for monitoring the labeling of beef, is how it's said. Uh, and the word is Rindfleischetikettierungsüberwachungsaufgabenübertragungsgesetz. So that's the word. So, and believe me, there's a lot of practice that went into that one. So uh, anyway, so as you can imagine, it was a little bit difficult to learn some of it. Uh, yes, I thought I saw any more hands, any more questions? Um, well, we can say, uh, from my experience, I could say very well in general, when they learn we're Americans, that really piques their interest. Uh, of course, we've got a lot of, our country has a lot of history with the German country as well, some good, some bad. Um, but um, they're always intrigued by Americans, and because English is the second most spoken language in Germany, 
and as a second official language, they're always wanting to practice their English with the Americans. So that's always a good way to start a conversation with the German people um, is, you know, oh, you speak English, let's practice that. Okay, you help me with my German, practice that. Thank you, thank you. Hey, how are you? You know, who are you? What are you doing? What do you work as? And all that. And we get into, you know, just small talk. And then, of course, that can lead into conversations about the gospel and things like that. But Germans like Americans pretty generally. And uh, they like American things. I can buy a pair of jeans over here, uh, like a pair of Wrangler jeans over here, you know, like at Walmart for 20 bucks or something, 25 bucks or something like that. I could wear a hole in them, sell them on eBay in Germany for about 90 bucks. So, um, so I think I better go get a get an extra empty suitcase to take back with me or something. But uh, anyways, but uh, that's just kind of how it is. They're very accepting of Americans. When you go around the country, um, they don't like you don't find a lot of people that like to talk about like World War II and things like that. But you do find a lot of monuments to the Jewish people. So you do get a feeling as you're going through the country that there's a lot of a lot of remorse for what kind of happened during that time. There was a guy that was commissioned by the government in Germany. You can walk around towns in Germany and you'll see it. He was commissioned by, by the government in Germany to figure out and do research on where Jewish people were living during World War II and what houses specifically they got pulled out of to be taken to concentration camps. And you'll walk, like through our town, there's even one other town where you walk and there's these gold pavers in the sidewalk with the family names on them and which camp they were taken to and if they survived or if they were killed in that camp. So, um, you know, you see that all throughout Germany and it's kind of a reminder of, you know, never let this happen again kind of a thing. So, uh, we'll take maybe one more or two more if there are any. If not, we'll get right into the message tonight and hopefully I'll get you out of here at a decent time. I've, I've got motivation. I've got a long drive to California over the next day and a half to two days, so I'll try to make it as brief as possible. Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Jude tonight. <clears throat> and if you do think of any more questions, I will be available at the table. Grab our prayer card. Pray for us. We have our email address. If you'd like to email us and say, hey, I want your prayer letter, we'd be glad to add you to the list. We have a QR code on there for all of you tech-savvy smartphone people. Um, which I am one of, just scan the QR code. That'll take you to our ministry Facebook page. If you like that page, you're getting more frequent updates than even our prayer letters, and you can know how even to pray for us on a week-by-week -week basis pretty much there. So good ways to stay in touch with our ministry there. Jude, we're going to go to chapter 1 because it's the only chapter in Jude. That's Bible college training coming through right there. Uh, let's uh, stand for the reading of God's Word tonight, and we'll go from verse 20 to verse 25, and then throughout the message we'll um, look at a couple of verses uh, before this particular passage as well. The title of tonight's message is called A True Compassion out of Jude here, and we're uh, going to start in verse 20, and the Bible says here, But ye believe, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So the title of tonight's message is A True Compassion. You may be seated. Oftentimes I've come through and I've read through uh, the book of Jude and I always am taken aback when I get to this particular part of scripture uh, because it's very significant uh, in the 
a realm of the mission that Christ has given the church. He's given us the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Um, and so when we get here to the end of Jude, we really have what I call a directive towards the Great Commission, but with a little bit of urgency and more intensity than maybe it was stated in the previous gospel. Subject of a true compassion, and we're going to see here in this passage that in order to have a compassion like Christ does for the lost, there are some things that we have to have already uh, building in, in our lives. And that's the first point tonight here in verse 20, is that a true compassion requires a building growth in our life or a continuing growth. Um, it says here in verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So here he's talking about a building uh, type of a growth and a building type of a faith, and which is more than just foundational. Now, think about the blood of Christ and what it do, did for us. And I'm grateful for my salvation and what that means for me. And it's an awesome thing that once we accept Christ as our Savior, that He becomes a solid foundation for our lives and that we can stand upon Him and uh, have faith in Him even in the bad days of life, even when things aren't going so well. And uh, a foundation is always great to have. It's a solid thing to build upon. Um, but we are required in our spiritual lives that we, we are saved unto good works, the Bible tells us. And uh, we, we need to be building upon this foundation that is established in our lives. You know, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and 11 uh, clearly says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're presented with a choice in life. Once we are saved, we have this foundation of Christ that we can build our life upon by what we do every day and the decisions we make every day. And we have this foundation, as we, heard, as we've, as we've, as we know from growing up, the little song, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. So we have choices whether or not or how we're going to build upon that foundation. And we need to have a building growth in our life, more than just foundational. It does us no good in our Christian lives if we get saved, and that's just kind of the, the end all of our, of our whole existence. Christ saved us from, from sin. He saved us from an eternity in hell, and those are great things. But he also, like we said before, saved us unto good works. We have something to accomplish for him while we're here. And we need to be building upon that foundation that he set. You know, traveling throughout the United States, first on deputation years ago, and then uh, now on furlough. Oftentimes, we're driving into a, a to a large city, a major city here in America, and it's really neat because, especially if you're driving out at nighttime or early morning or evening when the sun is rising or setting, you get a really, really beautiful view of a large city and its and its uh, and its um, what do you call it skyline, the skyline of the city. And uh, every once in a while, you'll come across a city like St. Louis, where you'll like notice, notice right away the St. Louis Arch. And we've been to Seattle, seen the Space Needle, been up in it, pretty cool view from there of the Pacific Ocean and all of that. Uh, but it's really the true, what's really true about that as you're looking at it is that that skyscraper that stands out on a skyline of a city is a really a great tribute to the work that was put into getting it there. And, the, and, and, uh, and, it's, and its identification to the rest of the world is, is really a tribute 
to the time that was spent into developing to it, developing it. And likewise, a compassion that will stand out on the skyline of eternity is going to be a tribute to the work and the time that we put into developing it. Do we want Christ in our lives to be known to all men or do we want him to only be known to a few? It really all depends on how we build upon that foundation that was given to us. So the question here is in this first point tonight, what are we spending the most time building? We measure our priorities in life by the time we spend doing things or with things. And if we are going to have a compassion for the lost, like Christ had, we're going to have to build upon him. And we're going to have to take time doing the things that build a life on the compassion of Jesus Christ. A true compassion requires a building growth. Secondly, a true compassion requires a pure faith. Look here in verse 20. It says, building up yourselves on your most. And then it uses this word, holy faith. Now, when I think of the word holy as it stands throughout Scripture and as I read through Scripture, I think of words like without fault, spotless, blameless, and pure. Those are words that come to mind. And if we are going to be a testimony to the world, we're going to have to keep our lives and our faith pure before men. How do we do that? Well, first of all, pure faith is more than what we say. Let's take a look back here a little bit in uh, verse 16 here. Jude is describing some people in the church here who are um, not really following after what they're saying here. Um, it says here in verse 16, he's, he's describing these men as these are murmurous complainers walking after their own lusts and their mouth, notice this, their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So, in other words, there are people in the church who are saying, we love the lost. We ought to, we ought to go reach the lost. We ought to do great things for Jesus Christ. But when it came to the actions of their life, it didn't quite match what they were saying. These were what I call one or two day a week Christians. Ones who would show up to church and man, they knew all the words to say. They knew the lingo. They knew the look. They knew how to be impressive to the Christian people, to the pastor, to the missionary, to those around them. But when it came to living the practical points of life out during the week, it was a totally different story for these people. It was different. Their words didn't match what they said they believed, or their actions didn't match what they said. So a pure faith has to be more than what we say. We can preach the gospel and preach the gospel and preach the gospel, but if our testimony in a life doesn't back up that we really believe in a God that could do that for other people, then it's not going to be effective. A pure faith is one that consistently acts upon that which is valuable in the eyes of God. That means we get into the Word, we study. What do I need to be doing in our life? What are the commands that God 
gives me to follow in his word, and we need to be following those. A pure faith is that. You know, the Bible tells us that as Christians in this world, things. We're known by our love. We're known by our fruits. Both of those are outward expressions of what's already in us. And if that's not right, then our witness will not be effective. A heart that has a true compassion will be producing these things in their lives. You know, sometimes when it comes to reaching the lost with the gospel, we tend to be theological optimists and practical atheists. You know, reaching the world with the gospel is fine as long as somebody else is doing it. I'll even sit in church, I'll sing, I'll, 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 give, I'll give some money to it, but when it comes to actually handing somebody the gospel or gospel track and witnessing to them, you know, sometimes we, we're, we're more absent than we ought to be. A pure faith is one that consistently acts upon with that, that which is valuable to God. A pure faith is not tainted by sin in the world. 2 Timothy 2 is all about taking our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and passing it on through the generations. The same which thou hast learned to me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's 2 Timothy 2 too. But later on in that chapter, he talks about the necessity of a pure faith. Uh, by comparing our lives to a great house. And he says there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, the vessels of dishonor, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And as a missionary, that's the position I want to be in with my, with my Lord and Savior. I want to be meet for his, for his use, prepared unto every good work, the greatest of which is sharing his love with them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to make sure that in our life regularly we're examining ourselves and making sure that we're keeping our faith in our life pure from the things that will inhibit our witness to the world around us. How do we do all this? You know, the battle is real. It's every day. Um, Satan is a fierce enemy. How do, we, how do we keep our faith pure? Verse 20, the end, kind of is the key that unlocks that. You know, it says praying in the Holy Ghost. This is how we do it. Praying is how we talk to our Lord and Savior. It's how we confess sin, how we ask for forgiveness for sin, how we, uh, how we get the strength to forsake our sin and to keep our faith pure. A true compassion requires a building growth and it requires a pure faith. Thirdly, a true compassion is gained from keeping ourselves in the love of God. It says there, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life, verse 21. So how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? And as I was thinking about that point, I remember that there have been times where ministry and life, they just get busy. And if we're not careful as Christians, as we continue on in our Christian life and we get more and more years down the road, we have a tendency uh, to, you know, um, do things out of Christian duty more than we do out of relationship with our Lord and Savior. Um, and if we're not careful, we can lose the wonder and the sense of value of what Christ did for us. And when we lose that, then where's the motivation? A true compassion is gain 
from keeping ourselves in the love of God. And we do that by remembering the compassion that he had toward us. And so I'd like to take a moment to do that this evening. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53 really quick. There's a lot of places we could go to remember what Christ did for us. We certainly could go to the Gospels and we could read of the specific details of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and uh, all that they did with the nails in his hands and the feet and the cat of nine tails and all of that. But I really like the prophetic uh, description of it here in Isaiah chapter 53 because it really does hold a lot of meaning when it comes to the real personal level of this. Of course, this particular passage is Isaiah writing as a prophecy of Christ on the cross. And we'll go ahead and start here in verse 2 about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says here, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He, Christ, is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And if you look at verse 5, where it says, Our, our, we, insert your name there. Because that's really what it means. Insert the names of 7.5 billion people on planet Earth. That's what that means. I mean, you talk about a debt that we couldn't pay. Wow. And he went through all of that to pay it for us simply because he loved us. If that doesn't define compassion, I don't know what does. We never need to get over the value of what Christ did for the cross on us, for us. something that we couldn't have done for ourselves, but he could, and he's the only one who ever could. And he did it out of love for us, out of his compassion for us. Henry Martin once said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we should become. That's a great quote. And I often wonder how true is that in our lives. You know, it's really hard to share the gospel with somebody if you're not in the Word and having a relationship with Christ. If you don't love Him, how can you love who He loves? Nearness is likeness. We hear it all the time. Dr. Rasmussen, one of our college professors, always said you'll never be any different 20 years from now except for what you read, listen to, and who you hang around. Are we spending time with our Lord and Savior? Remembering His compassion for us. Why do we need to do that? Because it motivates us to have the same compassion for the world around us, to see through His eyes. We need to be so in tune with Christ that we can just see what He sees and think what He thinks about the world. A true compassion next allows us to see the eternal. Choosing to love God to grow and to purify our faith will allow us to see through his eyes 
Matthew 9.36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. It wasn't just a passing thought. It wasn't just a, yeah, we ought to do that. It was a, a moving in his life toward the lost. We ought to have that same moving with that same compassion in our life. Next, a true compassion allows us to make a difference and to save others from the fire. You know, try, uh, verse 22 here in, in Jude says, And some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, try, Christ's compassion truly made a difference for those of us who have accepted him as Christ, as Savior. But that's not the end of it, because it can do the same thing for other people too. A true compassion will make that kind of eternal difference, and a true compassion will reach out to save others from the fire. Now, let's say you go home tonight. This is area over here really quick. Let's say you go home tonight, and uh, you, you know maybe you haven't eaten dinner yet. I'm kind of late for that, but uh, and you're you know gathered around. Maybe you have some friends over, some family over that may be visiting in town or whatever, and you're having having dinner together at home, just enjoying time. Maybe you got some board games out, doing some things like that. Maybe uh, some of you or, you know, going to town on an Xbox or something like that. You're just having a good time at home. And during the course of uh, the meal time, you're, you're sitting down, you're enjoying the food, and all of a sudden, there's kind of like a weird smell in the house. And upon investigation, uh, you go into the back area of the house, and you see that there's a fire that has started in one of the bedrooms, and it's already gotten kind of big. So you run out to the dinner, the dinner uh, area, and you're going, hey, there's a fire in the house. Everybody get out now. Go meet us down on the corner. Uh, so you can be safe, just, just get up and go now. We're going to call the fire department. So you start, you know, looking around, making sure everybody's starting to evacuate. You start getting out of the house yourself. You go down to the corner. You flip it out, uh, your phone. You're getting ready to call the fire department. And you're dialing them up. You get to the corner, and you start looking around, and you start counting heads, and you notice there's somebody not here. There's somebody missing. And you turn around, and you look back at the house, and now it's, mostly starting to be engulfed in flames, and you start hearing a voice coming from one of, the, one of the windows. Help, help, I need help. Fire department picks up. Fire department, how may we help you? Fire department, this is, this is Caleb McCollum. I'm here in Moore, Oklahoma. My house is on fire. Uh, somebody I love is in the house. Uh, my, my daughter, my, my, my friend, they're in there, and they're going to die if you don't come. Please come right away to this address. Suppose the fire department on the other end answers with the following. Well, we're kind of busy today. Um, we, were, we, we had all the fire, firemen and all their families over here. We are doing a barbecue. We're just going to enjoy the day. Um, we're going to have some training later on in the evening. Um, we really don't feel comfortable running into the situation uh, until we're done with the training because we feel like we need that to be able to come and do what we need to do there. So, uh, uh, so can you just give us a little while? we wouldn't have to worry what the news would be the next morning. There would be outrage. In fact, you would probably want to reach through the other end of that phone a la cartoon style and grab the guy by the shoulders or perhaps the neck and just go, what do you mean you can't come? You're a firefighter. This is your job. It's what you're supposed to do. If you don't come right now, somebody I love is going to perish in that fire and they're going to die and it's going to be all your fault. Just do your job. Christian brothers and sisters tonight, can I just remind us all 
There's a fire. There is a fire. And there's millions of people in the world who are in the scenario. And if we read our Bible right, we know that time's not expanding, it's getting shorter. And when we read verse 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, there's an urgency to that. There's not a sit around and wait. Now, what do we really know about firefighters in a case like that? They do have the tools to save people from the fire. The firefighter will arrive at the scene. They'll assess it for a few seconds, but they'll run into that building. They'll chop the door down with an ax. They'll do whatever they got to do to get in there and save that life. They will run into that building with urgency. They'll put their own safety at risk to be able to save that life sometimes. They don't wait until the most convenient time to rescue. It's we got to get in and we got to get in now because if not, every little second can make a difference between life and death. Fireman doesn't wait for the perishing to come to him and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, I need to be rescued. He just goes when the call comes. And why, do, why, why, do they, why does he do that for, for strangers, people he doesn't even know, people who, you know, might not even be living a life that he would agree with, might not even be his friends. He does that because it's just his job to do it. It's what he's been called to do. My fear tonight when it comes to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that there's too many to be reached. My fear is that there's not enough firefighters answering the call. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the condemned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. And Charles Spurgeon said it this way, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and not let one go unwarned or unprayed for. I don't know about you, but those are two men who understood the urgency of verse 23 in Jude. Where are we at with that tonight? How do we view our world? There's a lot of voices out there and they're really loud, especially if you're, if you're watching debates. There's like at least three of them that are really loud, right? But there's a lot of voices out there telling us what we ought to be doing, what we ought to be focusing on in life, what ought to be our priorities. But when we look through the heart and through the eyes of Jesus Christ, there's only one thing that matters for all of eternity, and that is where the souls of men are going to end up. And whether or not those of us who have the tools to save people from the fire are running there with urgency to get the job done. Lastly, we see tonight that a true compassion depends totally on God 
and gives him all the glory for any results. Verse 24 and 25, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. You know, the same one who gets the glory for everything is the same one who provides the strength for the results that cause the glory. Um, if we develop a true Christ-like compassion for the lost, God will see to it that we don't fall in our witness. Think about that. Sometimes we get afraid, a little bit intimidated about what people are going to think about us when we share the gospel. But it's really not us they're accepting or rejecting. We're just merely the messengers. The end result of a life lived in the compassion of Christ is being presented faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, as it says here. I want to stand before my Savior someday and with, with, with no regrets that I didn't miss another opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. That I didn't follow the Holy Spirit's leading in a situation. The survival rate on life is 0%. Let that one sink in for a little bit. We've got the cure for it right here. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why on earth would we not share that with somebody? Why on earth would we let our own pride about what people may think about us hold us back? I remember a song they used to sing a lot um, when I was growing up. A song's name called People Need the Lord. And let me remind you of what some of the words of that song are. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And then it asks us this really pertinent question for this message tonight. When will we realize people need the Lord? Say, I already know people need the Lord, Brother Caleb, but when with our actions are we going to follow suit with this urgency that we've seen here tonight? Where are we at in that? There are many people in the world who are still lost. Many of them still pass us by, day by day basis. Not a lot of them, not a lot of them, I still haven't had this happen, not a lot of them are going to come up to you and say, hey, my name's Bill, need to be saved, how do I do that? I'm just still praying for that Philippian jailer moment. Still hasn't happened yet. The Bible still says that we're the ones that are supposed to be going out into the highways and the hedges to compel them to come in. Publicly and from house to house. When we give of ourselves to share the love of Christ with others, motivated by what he has done for us, we will not only see them experience the miracle and the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, but we also experience the exceeding joy of not having missed another chance to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. Church family, let me encourage you tonight. Don't fall into the trap of too busy. Don't fall into the trap of not comfortable enough. 
when we think about the destiny of those who die without Christ, there should be no situation where we're too uncomfortable when it comes to this. You know, my pride constricts me, but the love of God should constrain me to reach out to others. When you worship Christ and give to others through true compassion in his name, it will be you who benefits from that as well as the person who accepts Christ. So make room and time in your life to reach out to other people, to serve them, to show them the love of Christ, to witness to them of the love of Christ. Each opportunity is the opportunity of a lifetime. And for that other person, it could very well be the opportunity for eternity. Pastor. him for salvation. The reason he didn't is because he's given us all a mission to accomplish, a purpose to fulfill. And that purpose isn't just to live this life and live your best life now. <laughs> the purpose is to carry the gospel to those around us. He's called us, and we talked about that on Sunday afternoon, that uh, he's given us a calling to be his laborers. And uh, the laborers are few. And so those of us who are called to be laborers, let's answer the call and uh, not push it off. Thank you for that reminder tonight. And uh, why should we be compassionate? Because he had compassion on me. And uh, I didn't deserve his compassion, but he had it. And uh, praise the Lord for it. Well, thank you for being here tonight. It's been a wonderful day and a wonderful evening. Let's all stand together. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Um, Brother Caleb, if you would, uh, make your way to the back and... Uh, He'll be standing by his table, and uh, make sure you go by and uh, grab a prayer card if you would, and, and uh, if you have any questions, he'll be around for a little while, and uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the challenge tonight regarding having true compassion. Help us, Lord, to stay in love with you. Help us, Lord, to remember your compassion for us, and uh, then, Lord, help us to have compassion and an urgency about this mission that you've given us to reach this world with the gospel. And Lord, help us to start by just witnessing to the guy that maybe we work with, or maybe even our next door neighbor, or the person that we go buy coughing from, um, Lord, or a friend that we sit next to in school. Help us, Lord, to just start with one person. It, it begins with one, and then help us to, lead, to reach another one, and then another one. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would mightily bless our church as we reach out with the gospel. And uh, thank you for Brother Caleb. I pray, Lord, you bless him as he endeavors to do the same in Germany. And uh, we just pray, Lord, you bless him and his family. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Love you all. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday, if not before.